This is Experiencing Jesus with Bishop Marianne Budden. Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of this podcast series, The Way of Love, Practices for a Jesus-Focused Life. My topic today is the fifth practice, to bless, a practice that is as life-giving to those who offer blessing as it is to those who receive blessing. I found that simply holding the words bless and blessing in my awareness opens me to opportunities to both offer and receive blessing that I might otherwise miss. But before delving into this truly wonderful practice, let me briefly say something about spiritual practices in general. Because if we're honest, most of us feel inadequate when it comes to the disciplines of our faith. I know that I do. But here's something for all of us to remember about spiritual practices. They aren't meant to be chores to plow through or exercises to whip us into spiritual shape. No, in the words of the Benedictine nun Joan Chittister, a relationship with God is not something to be achieved. Rather, she writes, God is a presence in our lives to which we can respond. And nor is the spiritual life separate from the rest of our lives, but rather it's a way of being, a way of being ourselves, a way of being in the world that is open to God and open to others. And spiritual practices help us open ourselves to God's presence. Our practice for today, to bless, is one that allows us to actively participate in God's blessing, God's love for other people. Now the words bless and blessing show up with some regularity in ordinary speech. For example, if I were to sneeze right now, you might automatically respond by saying, God bless you. And I would do the same if you sneezed. <laughs> Why do we do that? It turns out that virtually every culture in the world has some phrase of blessing in response to a sneeze. Pope Gregory the Great, who lived in the sixth century, is believed to be the first person to have said, God bless you when someone sneezed. And that was no small blessing because in his lifetime, a severe bubonic plague had spread across Europe and sneezing was one of the symptoms of that deadly disease. Well, we now know that sneezing doesn't necessarily mean that we're sick, but still the impulse remains to offer sneezers good health. Another common usage of the word bless or blessing is what we say often in prayer before eating a meal. And this practice of saying words of blessing at mealtimes is also nearly universal. Christian blessings usually direct our focus to the food itself and to those who will partake. You may know this prayer. Bless these gifts to our use, O Lord, and us to thy loving service. Amen. In Jewish table blessings, which would have been Jesus's tradition, the words of blessing are directed to God. Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, for you bring forth bread from the earth. Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, for you create the fruit of the vine. But however we say our blessing or whatever our focus, this intentional practice encourages mindfulness and gratitude for the gift of food. It helps us remember that no matter how self-reliant we are, we are also dependent on the source of life for all our life. To receive from that source is a gift, one that inspires us to give more generously in return. 
Now, the last common usage I'll mention today is in response to the question we often ask one another as a form of greeting. How are you? Among the typical responses we give, I'm fine, how are you? Not bad, thanks, hanging in there, is this one, I'm blessed. Now, what do you suppose it means when we respond to a standard question of greeting by saying that we're blessed? That life is going well for us, perhaps? That we feel surrounded by good fortune? But what's striking about the response, I'm blessed, is that it doesn't seem to depend on the outer circumstances of life, but rather on our inner response to whatever's happening. People will say that they're feeling blessed not only in good times, but also in the hardest of circumstances. In the midst of a devastating illness, people will say that they're blessed by the love of their family or the care of their doctors. Others who have lost loved ones will, will give thanks for the blessing of their church community or the friends that are carrying them through. If you, if you listen to people who are living through a natural disaster, you'll often hear them say, in the midst of losing almost everything, how blessed they feel to be alive, to feel the support of those who are offering them help. We bless others whenever we choose to offer concrete expressions of kindness to anyone in need or pain. Now, it matters here that we act and not merely speak our blessing. As the Apostle James makes clear, if a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? Jesus makes the same point in the parable he told of the sheep and the goats. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Truly, I tell you, as you did to the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. We offer blessing whenever we demonstrate that we truly care for one another. And one of the hallmarks of our offering is kindness. As the poet John O'Donohue writes, Something deep in the human soul seems to depend on the presence of kindness. When someone is kind to you, he explains, you feel understood and seen. There's no judgment or harsh perception directed towards you. Kindness has gracious eyes. I had a bicycle accident recently. I wasn't seriously injured, but the fall was serious enough to shake me up a bit. While I was riding along a trail, on Rock Creek Parkway in Washington, D.C., my handlebars got caught in a bush on the left side of the trail, causing my bike to flip to one side. And I fell hard on the pavement with my head just inches from the road and oncoming cars. And I lay on the trail for a few minutes, I think, a bit stunned, as people rode their bikes and drove their cars by me without stopping. And all I could think of was that I was like the wounded man on the roadside in Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. And I wondered if anyone would stop to help. Like in the story, fortunately, someone did stop and ask if I was okay. And she made sure that I was all right, which apart from a few scratches and a very sore right side, I, I was. But only when I convinced her that I truly was fine, did she continue on her way. 
I regret never asking her name because what I remember most about her was kindness. I felt the blessing of her presence and her willingness to stop and offer help. It was a blessing. The very next day, I attended a dedication service for a tuition-free school for boys in the Diocese of Washington named after the late Bishop John T. Walker. Bishop Walker's school's mission is to provide African-American boys in one of the most underserved areas of Washington, D.C., with a high-quality Episcopal school education. And the school recently moved into a wonderful new facility built within a larger complex of arts, educational, and social service organizations in Southeast Washington. And we had all gathered to celebrate this new chapter in the school's life and mission. Kindness is also at the heart of the Bishop Walker School. And at the beginning of the ceremony, one of the students stood to recite the Bishop Walker School prayer, which is a prayer of blessing. Grant, O Lord, in all the joys of this life, we may never forget to be kind. Help us to be unselfish in friendship, thoughtful to those less happy than ourselves, and eager to bear the burdens of others. They are praying every day, the Bishop Walker School boys, to be blessings for others. And as I look out into the smiling, teary faces of those gathered for the dedication, most of whom had been financial supporters of the school since its inception, I realized that endeavors like the Bishop Walker School are only possible when we as individuals decide to strategically and collectively invest our blessings. For blessings to last generations, they must be embedded in institutions with a particular mission to bless. We can't possibly accomplish sustained blessing like that on our own, but we can whenever we direct our energies and resources together. And I hope that you know the power of your collective investment in blessing whenever you contribute to the life of your congregation. Individually, each one of us can love and serve God, grow in love, serve our fellow human beings. But when we collect our energies and resources into Christian community and together offer them to God, our blessing has a sustaining, enduring quality far beyond our individual reach. And so that's the first way we practice blessing, by offering concrete expressions of love, both personally when we show up and offer to help, and collectively as we contribute to institutions such as churches and schools with a mission of blessing. Now the second way we can practice blessing. It's related to the Christian practice known as benediction. A benediction is an act of official blessing spoken on God's behalf, as it were, typically by an ordained minister at the end of a church service. Benedictions are also common in books of the Bible, generally as the last word spoken by a revered leader or at the beginning or end of a text. In each of these contexts, the words are meant to give reassurance and encouragement, to convey a sense of joy, peace, and affirmation. Here are two examples from the Bible that you might recognize. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
that that's an ancient Jewish blessing known as the blessing of Aaron because it was spoken by Moses's brother Aaron as it is recorded in the book of Numbers. This one comes at the beginning of St. Paul's letter to the Christians in Philippi. I thank God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. But words of benediction or blessing need not be reserved only for religious leaders to be said in religious contexts. We all can bless each other and we can do it anywhere. The late Irish poet John O'Donohue actually dedicated his life to retrieving the lost art form and practice of blessing. Now by blessing, what he meant was the words that we say that can create a circle of light drawn around another person to protect and to strengthen. For him, the word itself, blessing, the word, in, the word blessing evokes a sense of warmth and protection. It suggests, he says, that no life is alone and unreachable. And we can all do this. We can create circles of light around other people with our words of kindness and affirmation. Here's what it looks like for me. When I'm in conversation with someone, be it a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, or a friend, when we're at the point of saying goodbye, I try to offer some word of affirmation and encouragement. I'll point out, for example, some quality that I see in them that I love or admire. Sometimes I'll reflect something that I heard them say, lifting it up as a statement of courage or love. If they're going through a hard time, I acknowledge that fact and let them know that I'm here. Or I'll tell them how much they mean to me. Whenever I speak to our sons, for example, I'll, I'll try to say something that puts wind in their sails to lighten their step. Now, I try not to overdo this, but go deep within myself and speak to another from the heart. It's a wonderful practice, so uplifting and a reminder of the importance of our words. Of being people of blessing, Joan Chittister writes this, the godly are those who never talk destructively about another person in anger, in spite, in vengefulness. They can be counted on to bring an open heart to a closed and clawing world. The holy ones are those who live well with those around them. They're just, they're upright, they're kind. The ecology of humankind is safe with them. As I've deepened this practice of late, I've discovered that I'm open. I'm more open to receive the words of affirmation that another speaks to me, rather than dismiss their words in embarrassment or false humility. My mother, now 87 years old, my mother, now 87 years old, says to me almost every time we meet or talk, oh, I'm so proud of you which always makes me feel awkward. But now I say to myself, take it in, Marianne, feel her blessing. And I do. I encourage you to do the same. The final practice of blessing that I touched upon earlier is the most difficult, given its context. This is how we receive and offer blessing in challenging times, 
When the blessing comes to us in and through situations we would have given anything to avoid. I'm not saying that the difficulty itself is God's will for us. I have a hard time believing that God brings hardship and suffering upon anyone. But I do know that one of the ways God reveals God's love and grace is by blessing us with lifelines during the hardest times. And to name those blessings for ourselves has the power to transform our experience of suffering and change us as well in ways that we're strangely grateful for, even though we would never have wished our suffering upon anyone. Examples of this type of blessing abound in life and in scripture. There's a famous story in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, of a long and lonely night when a man named Jacob wrestled with a stranger whom he later referred to as an angel. The text doesn't say that the man was an angel. It refers to him as a man. But in that struggle, Jacob found a life-transforming blessing. And thus for him, the man with whom he wrestled was an angel. Now, a few things to know about this man, Jacob. He was, by all accounts, a scoundrel. Early in his life, he had stolen his brother's birthright, the blessing his father intended to give to his brother. In ancient Israel, a father's blessing once spoken could not be retrieved, even in the case of mistaken identity, as it was with Jacob and his brother Esau. And you can imagine how well the two brothers got along after that. And this stolen blessing, while real, did not sit well with Jacob's conscience. He knew that he needed to reconcile with his brother, which eventually he did. And he knew that he needed to come clean with God. It was in that time of internal struggle, when he had fled from, with his family and camped out near a stream, that the strange man appeared and wrestled with Jacob all night long. And it was for Jacob a physical expression of his inner torment. Finally, at daybreak, when the man asked Jacob to let him go, Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's one of my favorite lines in all the Bible. I will not let you go unless you bless me. It seems as if we all must wrestle with things in this life, hard things that we would not choose but have come to us nonetheless. We must wrestle with them until the blessing reveals itself. That's not to say that we are to pretend to feel blessing when we don't or to sugarcoat something terrible, but rather that we allow ourselves to receive blessing in our times of trial, however it comes to us. It could be the blessing of a hard-won truth or a capacity that's grown in us because of our experience, a grace that sustains us through the ordeal. And yet, we would never wish what we have gone through on anyone. And yet the blessing, when it comes, is often enough for us to be grateful for the person we've become as the result of our trials. That's the miracle. That's the power of blessing. In closing then, friends, as you live your life, I urge you, to keep your eyes and ears open for the opportunities that come to you to offer blessing through your actions and your words, and to receive in gratitude blessings offered to you. 
Should you be in a time of real struggle, real hardship now, ask God to reveal or provide the blessing you need to make it through. So that when others ask, by way of greeting, how are you? You can say in all sincerity, no matter the circumstance, I am blessed. And more than that, I pray that you know yourself to be a blessing as you create circles of light and love for others through your words of affirmation and concrete expressions of Jesus's love. Such is the way of blessing. Such is the way of love.